Welcome to Meals for Maturity, Bible talks to help you mature as a follower of Jesus, by Pastor Dom Fiocco. I'm sure you know what it's like to plan for a journey, for a, for a holiday, especially when that journey is more than just a, a day trip to the beach or the snow or a picnic or something. You have to get a little bit organised uh, when you plan for a journey or a holiday. Even those who like to live by chaos and don't even know what the word organised is, even you have to try and get a few things in place for your journey, for your holiday. A number of years ago, our family did a big trip to Singapore and then on to Malaysia. A couple of international students were getting married, one in Singapore, the other in Malaysia. That's two separate weddings, by the way, not the bride in Singapore or the groom in Malaysia. That would be complicated, wouldn't it? But I remember the the planning for this journey. It took a fair bit of time and organisation, especially since it involved my wife and I, plus our three daughters. So that's an opportunity to misplace five passports and multiple airline tickets. This was before the days when you had all your tickets electronically. So the longer the the journey, the more people involved, the more planning, the more organisation is needed. That's just common sense. I'm sure many of you can relate to that, to to travel plans. Well, that's what we find at the start of the Book of Numbers. There's some organisation, some planning for this major journey that's going to involve lots and lots of people, including little kids, who will probably be constantly asking, are we there yet? Uh, Our Meals Maturity series on this fourth book of the Old Testament, the Book of Numbers, will be like going on a journey. We'll travel along with Moses and the Israelites for a long, long time. And we'll discover lots about God and lots about being the people of God. And as we travel, we'll also work out how this journey in the wilderness impacts and applies to you and me as New Testament believers. I want to be biblically substantial in what I feed us. And then I pray that the Holy Spirit will strike home Bible truths directly to your heart and mine. So travelling home, the faithfulness of God in the book of Numbers. In the last Bible talk, the opening one, I introduce us to the main themes of Numbers and also mention that it's a rather unfortunate name for a book in our Bibles, especially if you failed maths. Much better is the title In the Wilderness, which is the one found in the Hebrew language, which comes from verse 1 of chapter 1. So the Lord God spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tent of meeting, on the first day of the second month, in the second year, after they had come out of the land of of Egypt. So there's a couple of numbers there in the opening verse, isn't there? But let's get our travel plans in order for this journey. Let me briefly set the context, and then we'll start out on this journey together by reading some of the Bible. Uh, I figured that's always helpful when it comes to a Bible talk, to hear the Bible read. The book of Numbers, the wilderness wanderings, makes up part of what we call the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses, which Jesus will often refer to across the Gospels. And its focus is upon the people of God, the Israelites, whom God at this point has chosen since he graciously reaches out to Abram in Genesis 12, who soon becomes Father Abraham, who soon then makes it into kids' songs that hype children up just before a Sunday school lesson. Now, at this point in the Old Testament storyline, Israel has been rescued. They've been redeemed out of Egypt. So that's the story of Exodus, the story of Moses. And now Moses, under God, will lead this nation of people into the wilderness because God has promised them a land of peace and security, 
a land that they can call their own because of the promises God made previously throughout the books of Genesis and Exodus. But, but for this promised land journey, God's people need to trust God and take him at his word. That's the very nature of walking by faith in the Old Testament, isn't it? But also in the New Testament, trusting God, taking him at his word. But sadly, tragically, as we'll see in this series, God's people often fail and they rebel against God and his ways and his word. And so what we have in the book of Numbers is God being faithful despite Israel's unfaithfulness. Well, let's hear Hannah read now from the opening chapter. Numbers chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tent of meeting, on the first day of the second month, in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel, by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male head by head. From twenty years old and upward, all in Israel who are able to go to war, you and Aaron shall list them, company by company. And there shall be with you a man from each tribe, each man being the head of the house of his fathers. Numbers chapter 1 verses 17 to 19 Moses and Aaron took these men who had been named, and on the first day of the second month they assembled the whole congregation together, who registered themselves by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names from twenty years old and upward, head by head, as the Lord commanded Moses. So he listed them in the wilderness of Sinai. Numbers chapter 1 verses 44 to 46. These are those who were listed, whom Moses and Aaron listed with the help of the chiefs of Israel, twelve men, each representing his father's house. So all those listed of the people of Israel, by their father's houses, from twenty years old and upward, every man able to go to war in Israel, all those listed were 603,550. Chapters 1 to 4 could be titled Numbers, Glorious Numbers. And I've spared Hannah from reading the repetition of all the numbering of the 12 tribes of Israel from Reuben in verse 20 of chapter 1 to Naphtali in verse 42. Israel with Moses find themselves in the Sinai Desert. They've been rescued out of Egypt, given the law, and they're now ready to begin their journey and relationship with God into the Promised Land. And these opening four chapters show us why our English Bibles have the title Numbers, or maybe it should have been called Census. For what we have here is a census, a counting of all the military men 20 years and older who will make up the Lord's army. But let me ask the simple question, or the simple questions, concerning this census or this counting, this multiple numbers and names across chapters 1 to 4. That is, why is this important and what does it show us? Why is it important and what does it show us? Why does God regard this numbering as important and crucial enough to start a book with and to make the reading of these chapters in public at church enough to give any Bible reader the heebie-jeebies, which isn't a Hebrew name from these chapters, by the way. These numbers in numbers, you see, are important so that every tribe across the Israelites are included in the journey to the promised land. And every tribe will take part eventually in the conquest that we find across the books of Joshua and Judges. But what does it show us? Well, a few things early on in our journey. 
the opening line of this book shows us that we are dealing with a God who speaks and who reveals himself graciously to his people. The opening line, the Lord, verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. So Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, speaks and he will direct his redeemed people. He is their mighty deliverer. He is also their majestic speaker. And God's people will do well to listen to him. These numbers of numbers also show us that God is a God of order, not chaos. This might seem like a minor point, but it's emphasised all across Scripture, even to the New Testament church being ordered and organised to the glory of God. So a census shows us that God cares about order. It also shows us that God cares for every person across every tribe. Now, of course, not everyone is mentioned by name. That would be a nightmare to read and then think about all the complicated pronunciations that Hannah and every other Bible reader would have to do. Uh, but what we have here in these lists of numbers highlights that God does not show favoritism and that every tribe is precious to him and that God will be their shepherd who knows his sheep. And perhaps we're to be reminded in the New Testament when Jesus tells us, that our Heavenly Father even knows the numbers of hairs on our heads, or lack thereof for some of us. And these numbers are also showing us that God is a God who keeps his promises. So that when God promises to Father Abraham, roughly 400 years before these chapters, when he promises that he would have as many children as the stars in the night sky or the sand on the seashore, that this part of God's promise is being kept and that the promise maker is also the promise keeper and the promise doer and chapter one of numbers is showing us that what these numbers of tribes also show us is that god is preparing his people for war it is after all a military roll call only the males of fighting age are included in this count the new testament equivalent for us of course is that the christian life is to be a spiritual battle from the first day of repentance until our last breath, when God finally calls us home to eternal rest and peace. So numbers, glorious numbers across these early chapters, they are there not so much to give us a list of baby names if you're pregnant and wondering about some obscure name that your poor kid will have to spell out their entire life. No, no, there, here's a list of names of tribes and individuals who make up the precious people of God. But there's one tribe not included in this military census. And this comes out very clearly across chapters four to eight especially. But now let, let listen to Hannah read these verses uh, about this one tribe. Numbers chapter 1 verses 47 to 54. But the Levites were not listed along with them by their ancestral tribe. For the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not list, and you shall not take a census of them among the people of Israel. But appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony and over all its furnishings and over all that belongs to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings, and they shall take care of it and shall camp around the tabernacle. When the tabernacle is to set out, the Levite shall take it down, 
and where the tabernacle is to be pitched, the Levites shall set it up. And if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. The people of Israel shall pitch their tents by their companies, each man in his own camp, and each man by his own standard. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, so that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the people of Israel. And the Levites shall keep guard over the tabernacle of the testimony. Thus did the people of Israel, they did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. Uh, so the Levites are not counted, the tribe of Levi. They're exempt from military service into the future. And we're told two things about the tribe of Levi, and you work this out across chapters 4 to 8. Firstly, the Levites are to be in charge of uh, transporting the tabernacle as they travel to the promised land. So they are the setup and the pack-up team. They get organised uh, for all that's involved in this tabernacle, in this portable tent, symbolising God's presence among his people. It's only been about a month since the tabernacle was consecrated and the glory of Yahweh descended upon it. And you can read about that in Exodus 4, uh, chapter 40 and Leviticus chapters 7 to 9. We'll explore more about the tabernacle across this series. But for now, the job of the Levites is like an early transport company uh, set up, except there's no uh, semi-trailers or speeding trucks on the highway. There's just lots of packing up tents or putting up tents and packing them up again. I have a friend from my old church who will claim this as biblical justification for camping uh, with his family at every opportunity. But I'm pretty sure I could find justification for holidaying in five-star resorts, especially when King Solomon turns up and starts building his palaces. Uh, so the tribe of Levi, you see, is in charge of transporting the tabernacle. Secondly, they're in charge of guard duty of this tabernacle. So early on, we're learning that God is a holy God and that sin and sinful, unclean Israelites are to keep their distance from the tabernacle, which represents God's presence. So the holiness of God will be a major theme across the entire journey for the Israelites. I don't know if you're a chess player, but most of us at some point in time have had a game of chess. Well, in chess, every piece on the board is expendable except one. That is, the king is indispensable to the game. If you lose your king, if he gets wiped out by a bishop or a rook or even a pawn, then the game ends and you lose. Checkmate. So as you play chess, if you're any good at it, you make it a priority to protect your king from nasty little chess pieces wiping you out. Well, the tabernacle is symbolic of the dwelling place of the king over Israel. And so the Levites are to camp around the tabernacle and they are to protect the king at all costs. And not that God can't defend himself, not that he really needs protection. We'll see plenty of examples across this series uh, that that's not the case. But that the holy presence of God needs to be guarded from sinful Israelites. So the tabernacle represents all that is sacred across Israel. And therefore, as they travel, it must be jealously guarded. Across chapters 2 and 3, uh, which we didn't read. We're given the plans for Israel as they travel and how to set up their camp when they stay put uh, based on God's command. And very early across these chapters, we're shown that the tabernacle is to be in the middle of their campsite. 
and then the various Levite clans and families with their specific duties of transport and guarding, they are then to set up their tents around this tabernacle. And then outside of them, the remaining 11 tribes of Israel will pitch their tents whenever they stay put in the wilderness. Across chapter 4, finally the Levites are counted and they are numbered, not for the purposes of war, but for the preservation of their families and clans for the specific holiness duties God will give to them. Very on in this early part of the Bible, we're being reminded that God's people are to be a holy nation. They are set apart by their holy God. And I think Hannah should be very thankful, and you should be as well, that we didn't read through chapter 7, which is all about the various offerings that the Levite clans are to bring to the tabernacle to be consecrated before the Lord. See, Numbers chapter 7 verses 1 to 88 is the most repetitive chapter you'll find across our Bibles, and one that maybe Christian schools could use to get kids to write out lines for being disruptive in class, if they still do that, or even get the kids to write, rewrite this chapter, or even better, to memorise the whole chapter. That'd be a challenge. And as we read all this stuff about the Levites and the priests and the offerings they bring and the protecting of the tabernacle they are to do, we are to remember and to be so thankful for the glorious gospel and all that Jesus has accomplished for us as our great and final high priest who has opened the way for us to have immediate access to the presence of God. And nowhere is this better better expressed than in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22. Maybe you know these verses well. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up uh, to us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, through his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22. These opening nine chapters, uh, which we haven't read them all, but their opening nine chapters are showing us the travel plans that need to be put in place before Israel starts out on their promised journey. And things are looking good in their preparation. They're still at Mount Sinai, I remember, but they have leadership in place with Moses and they've had their camp arranged according to God's word. And God is in their midst. God's presence is there represented via the tabernacle. And we're even told in chapter 9 that it's been one year since the mighty Exodus. So it's now time to celebrate the Passover the one-year anniversary of God's amazing rescue and redemption of his people. I like to think of chapter 9, verses 1 to 14, as the Last Supper for Israel as they're about to journey forward. Across these opening chapters, God's people are careful to obey all that God commands them. And through Moses, his mouthpiece. So things are looking good for the journey to come. What could possibly go wrong? Well, I can't imagine, as I said before, too many people having the book of Numbers as their favourite book in the Bible. But I do imagine that many of you like to travel. 
And what we have in these opening chapters of this part of Old Testament scripture are the travel plans to be put in place for a good journey by God's people. And across the book, for all its census data that might excite workers at the Bureau of Stats, what we do have across the book are some amazing accounts of fantastic stories and action aplenty. You might not have read much of Numbers, so maybe you don't know many of the great stories that we're about to come across. But as we go through this story, this series, there are some incredible episodes which highlight again and again the faithfulness and the commitment of our God toward an unfaithful and uncommitted people. So in many ways, we'll be reminded of our own journey and we'll probably be refreshed again and again, learning more about our faithful covenant-keeping God. Numbers, the wilderness wanderings, will have much to teach us as we too, as the people of God centuries later, as we, according to the Bible, travel home to our promised land called heaven. So day by day, get your travel plans in place and start by opening God's map, the Bible, day by day and allow his compass or the Holy Spirit, if you like, to point you in the right direction. But always remember, which perhaps ancient Israel didn't do so well, always remember that the start of the journey is important and it's good to be planned, it's good to be ordered and organised, but you need to finish the journey well. And for that, we need to ask God uh, to keep giving us the strength and the help to walk by faith, trusting in his goodness day by day in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one true Israelite who travels perfectly in obedience to all of God's commands. Until next time, God bless your journey. Thanks for listening to Meals for Maturity. Keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ.